Garrison Hardy with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief for Friday, January 26th, 2024. Do you have a podcast or are you thinking of starting one? Does your church have a podcast feed for sermons? Then dropwave.io is for you. Cancel culture is like walking on a thin glass bridge over the Grand Canyon. Every step you take could get you killed. I mean, canceled. Since the beginning of Cross Politic, Gabe has been working on being anti-fragile for the team. So no matter what happens, our content can still be delivered to your TV and your podcast. The Waterboy and his friend Jeremy have been working on building a podcast hosting solution for rowdy platforms like Cross Politic so that you can be confident your podcast will never fall through that glass bridge. Dropwave offers seamless onboarding for shows that have been around for years to easy-to-use solutions for starting your own podcast. Dropwave will track all of your show's downloads by city, state, and country, and it offers network and enterprise packages for solutions like the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Free to speak, free to podcast, free to start your journey now at www.dropwave.io. That's www.dropwave.io. Now we get to the news. GOP governors back Abbott in border standoff. Republican governors are backing Texas Governor Greg Abbott in his standoff against the federal government over border authority. On Tuesday, the Texas National Guard appeared to ignore a Supreme Court decision and continued building razor wire barriers on the U.S.-Mexico border, preventing the federal border patrol from doing their jobs. In a statement Wednesday, Abbott justified the actions by claiming his authority to combat invasion of the state supersedes federal law. GOP Governors Ken Stitt of Oklahoma, Christy Nome of South Dakota, Ron DeSantis of Florida, Glenn Youngkin of Virginia, and Brian Kemp of Georgia have all said they support Abbott's actions, saying, quote, If the Constitution really made states powerless to defend themselves against an invasion, it wouldn't have been ratified in the first place, and Texas would have never joined the Union when it did. That was DeSantis on X. Youngkin added that the Biden administration has turned every state into a border state and that Abbott is doing what the border officials refuse to do, which is to secure our border. Stitt, Nome, and Kemp also said their states stand with Texas. The federal government has claimed in court filings that the Texas National Guard has physically prevented the Border Patrol from doing its job on certain parts of the Rio Grande, as well as blocked off portions of the border previously used to process migrants. The claim that Texas officials can supersede federal authority has sparked calls from Democrats for President Biden to nationalize the Texas National Guard and force them to follow the court's decision and federal law. Democratic Texas reps Joaquin Castro and Greg Kazar have advocated for nationalizing the state guard. Abbott's statement Wednesday specifically claims the federal government has broken the compact with the states, justifying ignoring federal law and the Supreme Court. The so-called compact theory is a rejected idea of state supremacy used to justify the secession of Confederate states during the Civil War. The Supreme Court repeatedly shot down the legal theory in the early years of the U.S. when it was first proposed to nullify federal legislation during President John Adams' time in office going way back moving on sticking with the gop gop ags take aim at dem plea for biden to shut down critical ammo manufacturer Every Republican attorney general in the country blasted their Democratic counterparts for attempting to shutter an ammunition factory in Missouri, a letter sent to the White House Wednesday revealed. In a letter obtained exclusively by Fox News Digital, all 28 GOP attorney generals asked President Biden and White House Office of Gun Violence Prevention Director Stephanie 
Feldman to disregard their Democrat colleagues' request to end commercial sales from Lake City Army Ammunition Plant, one of the country's largest ammo manufacturers. Democrats had previously asked the administration to investigate the contracting and manufacturing practices of the plant after a New York Times report alleged that military-grade rounds were sold commercially and were connected to mass shootings. But the Republicans say the Democrats' letter contained a litany of errors. Perhaps those states should focus more on prosecuting crime to stop mass shootings rather than trying to stop lawful Americans' use of guns and ammunition. Their tactic is an overt attempt to punish Americans' exercises of their Second Amendment rights. Among the list of errors, the GOP AGs point out that their Democrat colleagues allege that ammunition manufactured for military use does not belong in communities. Quote, First, the ammunition manufactured at Lake City and sold into the commercial market is not the primary rifle cartridge used by the United States military. The primary cartridge is proprietary to the Army and may not be sold commercially, the AGs note. Second, while the United States military purchases and uses a particular type of ammunition, that is not determinative as to whether it is military ammunition that should be banned for public use, they write. If the United States military using ammunition precluded that ammunition's use by civilians than other widely and commonly available ammunition, including 9mm and 12-gauge shotgun shells that should also be prohibited for public use, they argued. Adding the Supreme Court precedent does not support such an openly artificial distinction. According to the state's top prosecutors, Lake City only sells ammunition to commercial customers that is legal to manufacture and it complies with all the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, or the ATF's, requirements. The AGs argue that Democrats' efforts would undermine national security. Gun control advocates are firing blanks when they contend that taxpayers are subsidizing mass shooters. They get casually backward. The law-abiding target shooters and gun owners who buy Lake City ammunition are subsidizing national defense and military readiness, they argue. They note that the Defense Department sought to avoid a situation when the military needs surge due to a real-world conflict. Ammunition is not readily available. Adding that ammunition availability requires facilities, production equipment, a skilled workforce, and supply chains to remain in constant operation. The attorneys also stated that Lake City cannot halt commercial use without detrimental loss to their communities and economy. If it stopped, the AGs allege that it would result in an estimated loss of 500 to 700 jobs, or 30 to 45 percent of skilled workforce now employed at Lake City, and countless more throughout the supply chain. Montana Attorney General Austin Knudsen, in a statement to Fox News Digital, called the investigation by the New York Times highly questionable, and their latest effort to shut down the Lake City Army ammunition plant is based on highly questionable investigation by the New York Times. Quote, we should be focused on the free flow of illegal weapons coming across our border, not taking aim at law-abiding patriots. That was Indiana Attorney General Todd Rokita said, adding that the border crisis is exactly why law-abiding citizens need the liberty to defend themselves. From our border, we go north to Canada. Canadian court rules Trudeau's unreasonable crackdown on trucker convoy violated federal law. A Canadian court ruled Tuesday that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's use of a controversial federal law in early 2022 to target truckers protesting their industry's COVID vaccine mandate was unreasonable and illegal. The use of the Emergencies Act does not bear the hallmarks of reasonableness, justification, transparency, and intelligibility. That was Federal Court Justice Richard Mosley. I conclude that there was no national emergency justifying the invocation of the Emergencies Act and the 
decision to do so was therefore unreasonable and ultra-vires. As the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, or the CBC, explained, ultra-vires is a term courts use to refer to actions beyond the scope of the law. In early 2022, Trudeau's government implemented a series of COVID shot mandates for various sectors of Canadian society, including a requirement for truckers crossing the U.S.-Canadian border. The tyrannical mandate ultimately prompted Canadian truckers to launch the Freedom Convoy, a massive protest compromised of vehicles that ended outside Parliament Hill in the nation's capital. While peaceful, the protests evoked the ire of Trudeau, who used the Emergencies Act to mobilize the Canadian military and state intel agencies to forcibly remove the demonstrators gridlocking Ottawa. In addition to backing GoFundMe's attempts to deplatform fundraising efforts for the convoy, Trudeau's administration also expanded its terrorist financing rules to target crowdfunding sites on the convoy's new platform, Give, Send, Go, Partners of Ours. The Federalist's Jordan Boyd wrote with Deputy Prime Minister and Finance Minister Christia Freeland baselessly claiming the platforms were being used to support illegal blockades and illegal activity which is damaging the Canadian economy. As if he his abuse of the Emergencies Act weren't despicable enough. Trudeau, who went into hiding upon the convoy's arrival in Ottawa, also grossly smeared the protesters with the typical dye trade of leftist slanders, including accusations of anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, anti-black racism, homophobia, and transphobia. Despite his best attempt to play the role of a dictator, Trudeau's use of the Emergencies Act went beyond the scope of what is permitted by Canadian law. While the Emergencies Act can be employed to manage a national emergency that cannot be effectively dealt with under any other law of Canada, Mosley determined that Trudeau's actions far exceeded that threshold. The potential for serious violence or being unable to say that there was no potential for serious violence was, of course, a valid reason for concern, Mosley wrote. But in my view, it did not satisfy the test required to invoke the act, particularly as there was no evidence of a similar hardened cell elsewhere in the country, only speculation, and the situation at courts had been resolved without violence. Mosley further ruled that the government's financial crackdown violated demonstrators' charter rights by permitting unreasonable search and seizure of the financial information of designated persons and the freezing of their bank and credit card accounts. Unsurprisingly, the Canadian government plans to appeal the ruling, with Freeland laughably claiming on Tuesday that the administration's unlawful actions were necessary and legal because Canadian national security was under a real threat, quote-unquote. Moving on, taxpayers may get stuck with cost of removing an offshore wind farm after Biden admin waives fees. Nice. The Biden administration reportedly waived fees for an offshore wind project that are in place to ensure that the infrastructure is removed and the site reclaimed at the end of the project's life. President Joe Biden, as part of his climate agenda, is pushing an aggressive build-out of offshore wind projects along the East Coast, with the offshore wind industry struggling financially. The waiving of these fees raises concerns about what would happen if these companies go bankrupt and leave behind wind farms they can't afford to remove. Project the Public Trust, PPT, a government watchdog group, obtained documents showing that the Bureau of Ocean Energy Management, or BOEM, BOEM, 
informed Vineyard Wind it had approved the company's request to waive fees for financial assurances that goes toward decommissioning costs. The Bureau's reasoning for granting the deferral, according to PPT, was that the financial assurance was unnecessarily burdensome for leases because at that point they have not begun receiving project income. Since the project is using, quote, proven wind turbine technology, end quote, and its contracts guaranteed electricity sale prices, Bohm reasoned the project had a predictable income over the life of the project. The Department of Interior requires these bonds from oil and gas producers as taxpayers have been stuck decommissioning the projects of companies that go bankrupt or were operating prior to bonding requirements. California, for example, is trying to decommission 23 federal offshore platforms at a cost of $1.7 billion, and the liability for those costs remain unresolved. There are also thousands of onshore orphaned wells across the country that the federal government is trying to plug. In some cases, these wells were drilled a century or more ago before bonding requirements, and there's no solvent owner of record to hold accountable for the costs. In Wyoming, an industry sprang up a decade ago hoping to tap coal beds for natural gas, but after natural gas prices collapsed, the entire industry collapsed with it. The state was left with a lot of wells to plug and no companies to hold accountable. While the Biden administration is granting waivers for these protections of offshore wind projects, it's proposing steep increases in bonding requirements for oil and gas operations. While that proposal is met with support from environmentalists, industry groups have criticized the measure. Kathleen Gamma, president of the Western Energy Alliance, told Reuters in July that rather than trying to ensure funding for reclamation efforts, the administration was raising the costs so high as a means to reduce the number of operations. Elmer Peter Dannenberger III, a petroleum engineer with decades of experience in the oil and gas industry, explained on his Bud's Offshore Energy blog that Bohm's decision to waive vineyard winds obligations significantly increases the public's risk exposure. Dannenberger wrote that Bohm, in granting the waiver, cited a general departure authority which was intended for special situations, and not for waivers that could be applied broadly. And that is your news for today. This has been your Cross Politic Daily News Brief. If you like the show, go ahead and hit that share button for me down below. If you want to sign up for a pub membership, a magazine subscription, or tickets to our next conference, head on over to fightlaughfeast.com. And as always, if you want to send me a news story, if you want to ask about our conference this year, or if you want to become a corporate partner, email me at garrison at fightlaughfeast.com. For Cross Politic News, I'm Garrison Hardy. Have a great rest of your day. Have a great weekend, and Lord bless. <laughs>